You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Well, 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 if it isn't episode 116 of the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast, and we are sponsored by all of our lovely Patreon patrons, and we are also sponsored by GameMat.eu for pre-painted terrain and beautiful, gorgeous, sexy mats. So, I have some good news first off, is that we have a new Patreon patron! So sweet. He's sweet. He's cute. We should have a threesome with him. All right, calm down, Paris. That's right. It is Fergie, the Fergalicious Ferguson, the Duchess himself. And uh, he actually writes to me this week on via Patreon. And uh, I just wanted to share it because it's funny. Consider this a bonus Tesseract mailbox. Uh, Fergie writes, Hey, Pimp, I guess I owe you an apology, as I really should have done this a long time ago. But every time I remember and go to join... At first, I need to register with Patreon, but then my laptop dies, so I gotta plug it in, but all the sockets are taken up, so I go to the kitchen and unplug the dry ice machine and strobe lights, but now there's no power, so I check the generator downstairs and all the gerbils, the power had seemed to have escaped, so I go down to the pet store to replace them, but they've got all these suspicious questions about why I need, why I'm buying 50 large rodents, and the whole thing just snowballs from there. Next thing I know, I'm dealing with customs about my order of bandicoots from New Zealand, and I've completely forgotten about joining. Anyway, I'm sure you know how it is, Fergie. I gotta tell you, Fergie, that made me laugh. I read it to my wife, and she laughed, especially at the bandicoot part. (laughs) But anyway, thank you so much for joining the Patreon Dynasty, the Pimpcron Dynasty on Patreon, and you will be receiving your bag of kisses in the mail not chocolate kisses i will just kiss all up inside the plastic bag and send it to you that is one of the patreon rewards if you want the chance for some herpes from the pimp cron then you join us on patreon all right enough of all this so listen the the topics for tonight is a real talk with pimp cron what is the difference between natural and intentional synergies what exactly are they and does intentional synergies ruin the game we will explore that in Real Talk with the Pimpcron. We also have a letter from John, and John has <laughs> just a heartwarming story to tell about. Um, I won't even go into it now. You gotta listen to the sub- segment. Then we also have the new uh, Warcry starter set with me and Cron Jr. We cover that and whether or not we want that or we want that not. So... What have I been up to this week? Um, I am almost done painting a new war boss for my Savage 40k orcs that will double as my bone splitters for Age of Sigmar. And I just played a Patreon-exclusive bat rep with Just James yesterday. We filmed that, and I should be submitting it probably today, November 1st. So if you're on Patreon, you can go on that and watch those bat reps. We're doing a narrative campaign out of the Epic War Planner, and uh, we are using the 9th edition rules, and it's pretty easy to to, uh, convert that. So um, this week, I played an Age of Sigmar game against um, my friends Connor and Just James. They played Skaven, and I played my Stormcast. I got to play my beautiful... Um, Big Chungus, my Star Drake that Leroy Jenkins bought me, and um, it is a, just, just a gorgeous model. And it's funny because I actually took the, um, uh, pfft, what's it called? 
not the Celestine on Star Drake, but the Drake Swarm Templar. There you go. Enough mouth noises allowed me to remember that. The Jake's Drake Swarm. <laughs> the Jake Swarm. Good God. There's a Jake Swarm. Oh no. It's a swarm of Jakes. The Drake Sworn Templar. And he's very good against hordes. So I figured while well, I'm playing against Skaven, you know, I might as well bring an anti swarm person or anti horde person. And lo and behold, all they took was freaking rat ogres, and uh, they had one ten-man squad of clan rats. That was the largest squad they had. So I figured, I'm going to run this Star Drake into their, I think his name is the Deceiver, one of the um, big great horned rat people. And they went toe-to-toe for a couple turns, but uh, ultimately my Star Drake died, and that Deceiver is no joke. I thought, oh, well, he's just a big rat. I'll beat the crap out of him with a Star Drake. No, this dude is like straight three damage or something it's it's just crazy so i ended up winning like um i'm gonna make up a number but it was like 19 to 11 19 to 12 something like that and uh what can i attribute that win to um i didn't roll super amazing i did deep strike 10 retributors in their back line and that really messed them up quite a bit i think i also deployed better than they did um I deployed more centralized because we had five objectives across the center of the board. And um, I deployed more centralized because obviously if you if mobility is an issue, then you want to be in the center so you can go left or right. Or if you start going right, you can head back to center or whatever. And they spread out on the two far ends rather than very much at all in the middle. And um, I think that really did win me the game because once I got, you know, I broke through their line in the middle, I was able to split left and right, whatever was more, more advantageous for me. And um, of course, I, I man, I, uh, I actually kept a dice count of how many times I screwed myself over in that game because I didn't read the rules. So uh, that actually plays into the intentional verse is uh, uh, natural synergy in the real talk segment. Because, like I said, I'm good at natural synergy, you know, tactics and whatnot, but I am not so good at intentional synergy because I don't care enough to read my own rules. And my dice count got up to five different times I screwed myself not knowing the rules for things because I didn't read the unit entry, such as I would fail a charge, and then, like, the next turn realize, oh, they reroll charges. Hmm. Screwed myself. And that happened over and over and over again. And yet I still won. Yep. So, uh, I just need to... I just don't give a shit. And you know that. I just don't care enough to read all my rules. <laughs> oh, man. I should really... And, that you know, really what it is, is if I played one army all the time, I would be totally up on that army. I would be like, oh, I know this army in and out, whatever. And once I play an army for like two or three weeks, then suddenly I feel, oh, I'm moderately an expert at this army. But the problem is, is that many, I have so many armies that I frequently won't, I will go a year before I play that army again. I mean, my Stormcast, I did just recently play them like a month ago, but prior to that, prior to that one game, I, um, I did not play them for like six months or something. So I'm not like super up on the on the rules and I don't even look at the rules ahead of time. I make lists like I'm like, oh, I like this unit. Oh, I just painted this unit. Oh, this unit's cool. I mean, I don't even make lists tactically. I rely 100% on my decision making. So otherwise, uh, that is about all I've been up to. I am working on the Brutality Skirmish War Game supplement. I'm still doing that. I've gotten a lot of headway done on that. So that's exciting. 
There's going to be a dungeon crawl mode. There's an arena mode. There's a bestiary. There's a bunch of different stuff going on. So that is all that I've been up to. Um, besides remodeling our house, we're uh, just moving furniture around. And I uh, made a new bed for my son and a bunch of shelves and uh, recalked all the doors around my house outside. That was exciting. That's exciting news for a Warhammer podcast. But that is what I've been up to. So. Also, fall is my jam. I love fall. Mm, mm, mm. Love fall. Anyway, all right, let's get on with the next segment. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. This is the part of the show where we read listener mail, and this is from John. He writes, Hey, Pimcron, so I decided to split up and sell off all of my Magic decks after playing two games in the past eight years. Oh, sorry to hear that, John. I knew it would be a trade-in haul at my local store, but I really nailed it. LOL. Can you believe this? $420.69. The cheapest Tesla model is currently 69420 the stars have truly aligned. I was initially told $420 even. <laughs> and I was like, and 69 cents? And the guy said he could absolutely do that for me. <laughs> so now I've got this great receipt. I'm definitely going to frame. The store's co-manager told me I've won on this day. In relation to your most recent podcast, I shared this perfect news with one of my friends. And his first comment was, wow, that's like two monoliths. Great model, but yeah, ouch that price. If they're going to charge that much, it better be a Lord of War, I suppose. I play Admech, so I'm going to nab myself an Archeocopter, some Flappy Boys, and a Flame Horse with my haul. I've been whispering for 2069 at my girlfriend all week. <laughs> and she's been sighing and going, OMFG, uh, so hard at me. Later, Necronator. John. And just to prove that he's not fooling around, he sent me a picture of the receipt. And that is hilarious. It So first of all, what's funny is, uh, when I first read this, I didn't even get it. I was like, oh, you got uh, $420.69. Okay. Like, I don't, for some reason, it completely went over my head. And I'm like, I don't get this. Okay. So then I'm like, well, he must explain it. And the cheapest Tesla Model S is currently 69420 instead of 42069. And I'm like, what does this have to do with I don't understand. And then <laughs> it it legitimately took me 30 seconds to get this. I'm like, I just don't understand. But uh what really, really delights me is that in a world gone mad, John is enjoying himself over <laughs> a total of $420.69. That he got for Magic. Now, number one, I'd like to say congratulations for that. 420 bucks for Magic is a lot. I mean, I don't know how many cards you sold. You could have sold like four tons of cards. But $420 is crazy. Um, so that, you're right, unfortunately, is just two monoliths. But uh, if you can sell your stuff and clean house and get some money for it for something that you're actually going to use, then you know what? Go do it, dude. Um, when I first got into Warhammer, I actually sold all of my Magic stuff which I had had since, um, I started in 96, I started playing Magic, and I hadn't played since high school, it, it was, uh, 
I had been at school for like three years and uh, at a high school, and I just never played Magic, so I didn't have anyone to play with, yada yada. So I sold it all. But my stuff, I never had like the super competitive decks or anything like that. I do know that I let it go for a steal because I had hundreds and hundreds of cards, and some of them were quite good, but um, I sold it for like a hundred bucks or something. So four hundred and twenty dollars and sixty nine cents is pretty amazing, and I'm just. So it tickles me so much that you would get so much joy out of this receipt and that you might actually frame it. Um, but you know what? You find enjoyment wherever you may uh, find it. And it's hilarious, even worse, that uh, you actually asked him to add the 69 cents on it. <laughs> it's just, it's, you know, despite it being the numbers 420 and 69, this is such a wholesome email. It was really, really a wholesome email. It made my day. It's heartwarming. It's fun for the whole family. And uh, <laughs> it's just so funny that you get so tickled over this. But congratulations. That is an awesome haul from your for your magic. And uh, these Archaeocopters are cool models. I know they were divisive when they came out, but I like the look of them. Uh, Just James has at least one, and uh, the Flappy Boys, I know exactly what you're talking about. Those guys can be pretty good, too, and those horses are awesome. So, yeah, I mean, everything they've come out with Admech, I really like, so I think those are good choices. But um, thank you for sharing, John. I really do appreciate it, because it totally made my day. So, uh, so you can reach us at pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron or of course you can call the hotline which no one ever calls but that's fine it's just like when i was dating you know the phone never rings but what do you do all right next on to the next yes next on that's definitely a phrase next on to the next segment want that or want that not Hey everybody, Pimpcron and Cron Jr. are back again with another review of Want That or Want That Not. Yeah, baby! (laughs) Type stuff. And uh, (laughs) we're doing Warcry Catacombs. For people that don't know what that is, it's a starter set for Warcry. It's a new starter set. And you'll remember the last starter set for Warcry was really popular. It came with a lot of terrain, two really cool warbands and all that. And I don't know the price point on that. But this new Catacombs one is supposed to be underground. Everything is underground. They're in the, well, Catacombs. Now, let's start off by saying it includes two warbands. It includes a printed mat. It comes with an, a lot of, like, placement terrain for doors and stuff. It comes with a lot of tokens for a some lot reason. Of, yeah, Warcry uses tokens. It, a lot of tokens. I mean, it's a starter set exactly how you'd expect. It seems like you get quite a bit of stuff in here. Now let's start with unpacking the first warband. We are going to call them, uh, I don't know, I th- they look like they're I'll, Daughters of Cain, sort of. I'll call them like uh, Lady Ollander Second Army. Uh, well, la- so Lady Ollander, Oliander, whatever her name is, is actually Death. And this does kind of look like you could include this in a Death Army. But um, I don't actually know the name of this. Hold on. What's the factions here? Um, I'm assuming these are the Cainite Shadow Stalkers. I was correct. They are part of Daughters of Cain. So Daughters of Cain are dark elves that worship the, the god of, I think it's god of war, god of blood, whatever. God of wrath. Cain. God of fire. Actually, I think he's the god of fire. I don't know. He's I, got a whole bunch of things. It doesn't matter anymore. He's got a lot of, yeah, irons in the pot. He doesn't know what he's doing. So the point is, is that... 
this comes with, uh, what, nine? No. Yes. Nine models? Why can I? It comes with nine models. Okay. So it comes with nine models, and they all vaguely have, like, a dark thief motif. And uh, the only thing that gave them away being Daughters of Cain is some of them have this tiara, like, Wonder Woman tiara type thing. Yeah. And, of course, one of them is a giant snake lady. Actually, is she a snake lady? No, she's got legs. That is, that's her cape. Oh, okay, because she kind of looks like a snake lady. She's got legs! <laughs> you don't get that reference from No, I don't. <laughs> and she knows how to use them. It's a rock song, Excuse anyway. Excuse me? Yes, <laughs> she walks. Point is, is that, uh, what do you think of these? What What's your overall you know, opinion of what these models look like. I mean, they look pretty cool. Um, they have, like, all of them pretty much have, like, dark capes and knives. Yeah, I mean, and their capes are kind of, like, bleeding into shadow, which is pretty neat looking. You see how they're all, like, fading? That's why I thought she had a tail. It's her, it's her cape. Yeah. Um, whips around like a snake tail and then fades into nothing. That's pretty cool looking. Um... I really like the lady back there with the golden mask and the whip. She's cool. I kind of thought that her long ponytail was a whip. Yeah, it does look like a whip. Um, in general, I'm really getting some Dungeons and Dragons thief vibes from these people. Because especially the guys with the capes and the uh, hoods. Or maybe that lady with the crossbow. Lady with the cross. Oh yeah, her too. So, all in all, I think these guys are pretty cool. They've got a very gothic... Um, like they come from the shadows type of motif to them. So I really do like that. Um, do you overall really like this warband? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot to say about them, but, uh, they do look pretty cool. Here's the other warband now. These are the, uh, what, Scions of the Flame. Scions of the Flame. What a, you're coming out of the gate swinging with that name. So Scions of the Flame... What do they look like? What's their overall motif? Well, they are all light-skinned. They... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, never mind. There's this dark-skinned guy. Never mind. Okay. Yes, they're um, all light. Although the other warband was all light-skinned, too, because elves are all pale. Yeah, but they were dark. So these are mostly Caucasian people, although, you know, you can you can paint them however you want. So what do the actual oh. models look like? Oh, okay. Um, They have a lot of armor... They have, like, axes and maces, and they're all... That guy's just literally on fire, like, this it, is not he a big is. deal. <laughs> he's, t- <laughs> he's totally fine with it. He's like that meme where everything's on fire, and the dog's like, this is fine. <laughs> <laughs> he's on fire, totally cool with it. Just a normal day at work. Then somehow these guys' swords are on fire. I don't know how that happens. Metal can't burn. Scions of the flame, so... Some of them, like this leader guy, this big guy with the giant flaming sword, he's got kind of a samurai look to him. He has infinity symbols that are burning on top of his head, and then he's got an infinity symbol on his chest. Doesn't he look, though, like he's got the shoulder pads and the helmet and all that looks like a mix between samurai and fire slayers? Because fire slayers have a lot of that. Um, so they've got some dragon scale, it looks like, around their neck, which is kind of cool. And, um, one's got, I like this guy's got, like, a bladed ring, like a small hula hoop with blades. Like a, like, I play this video game and it kind of looks like that, but they're called demon carvers. Hmm. okay. And, uh, 
I am pretty sure, now this is a neat touch. I am pretty sure this guy right here in the middle, he kind of looks like he'd be a sorcerer or something with a staff. That looks like he's got a branding iron at the end of his staff. Oh, yeah. With the infinity symbol. That is pretty cool. So he's going around branding people. Ugh. And I would be shocked if some of these models didn't have brands on them somewhere. Well, they have infinity symbols on their clothes. Yeah. And the dragon scale cloaks and stuff. Overall, what do you think of this? I'd say that's a want that for the this army as well as the last. I agree. Um, I think this... I think I like this slightly less than the last army. Yeah. The... Uh, Scions of the Flame, I like a little less than the Knight Shadow Stalkers, but uh, all in all, I, th I think it's pretty neat. Yeah. They've, they've got some neat poses and whatnot. How do they come up with these names? Um, it's a dartboard, and they got a bunch of words, <laughs> so yeah, that's what it was. The So let's get into the regular set, okay? The regular set gives you a giant fold-out cardboard mat. The two armies. Which I am not... I gotta make sure it's actually cardboard before I start crap-talking these people. Double-sided folding game board. I was not wrong. So, it is a double-sided game board. And let me just come out and say right now, I'm pretty darn disappointed with everything in this set besides the two warbands. Yeah, it's $210 for a printed board and minimal terrain. $210. You didn't hear that right. He is fairly knowledgeable at math. He... <laughs> it wasn't even math. It's just a number. Yeah, just numbers. The... They're called math letters, Scott. Anyway. Uh, so what you get for terrain here is you get, like, two walls. Two entire walls. And then they waste plastic... On, like, 17 doorways. Like, like which, gates without doors. Gates without doors, which la-di-da. And there are printed walls on this mat. So they went super lazy with this. Yeah. Where the old one had tons of different walls and terrain and all Azerite ruins and all this stuff. This set is supposed to have bunches of walls. But it doesn't. They've got printed walls like a Heraclix map. Oh, and they only have one, uh, like... Where you have advantages from your standing above models, there's only one of those tiny towers that doesn't even block line of sight. Yes, and actually, I think that I think that tower is the one with the bell. I think that's from the first set too. The first set had a tower with a bell that offers almost nothing in the way of cover, or line of sight, block, whatever. But at least the other one came with a bunch of walls. This comes with two freaking walls, and the rest of the walls are all printed on this mat. And then they give you a bunch of doorways, which, holy cow, what is the point of so many doorways, and honestly? they give you a whole bunch of random little, like, floor pieces, like pieces of wood and this bridge that doesn't even matter because there's already, like, bridges printed on it, I think. Okay, so this is, you brought up my next point now. Do you remember how I say GW is famous for wasting plastic on terrain that means nothing? Well, the doorways are part of it, but the other part of it is... This set comes with a bunch of those spikes in the ground, like the other Warcry set did. See these spikes right here? Yeah. They're like pikes stuck in the ground. They're, they're like the chaos clock system. Yeah, the, the chaos clock system. The chaos symbol and all, yeah. And, uh, but they don't do anything. They don't do a single thing in a regular game of 
Warhammer or anything like that. Trying to hide behind a whole bunch of spikes. Legitimately is just silly. Not to mention these spikes. I painted some last year. Uh, I don't think we ended up using them in Shorehammer. They're but pretty hard. They are super sharp. I'm not lying to you. They look sharp. And if you put your hand on them, they will go into your hand. Really? It, it is legitimately a danger. I would not put these things on. They are actually sharpened plastic spikes. <laughs> you feel War, like GW. Warhammer wants to kill his clients. Yes. Uh, I love how Warhammer is like personified to you. Warhammer wants to kill his clients. <laughs> but uh, it's just, it's silly. And also, look, the, there's these barricade things that are like boards. But they're on the ground. But they're on the ground. So in the other set, what you could do is take these planks and make overway, oh. like walkways above. Oh, cool. But in this set, they just reuse the same pieces and there's no purpose. This is all outside and there are no walls. So for you to do, oh my gosh, it's just... I'm getting madder as I look at it because these doorways are completely, completely useless in any other game ever. And honestly, why even have doorways? Because if you're going to use printed walls, the walls clearly have a printed doorway. Why even put a doorway in this? It's, it's simply but dad, stupid. if you stand underneath the doorway, you get plus two cover. <laughs> it is just dumb. So... I don't like this set at all. I don't like any part about it. I don't like a printed cardboard mat. I don't like terrain that is legitimately a waste of plastic. Why are we not getting the environmentalist people on GW for wasting plastic on stupid terrain? And I use the term terrain loosely because it is... Pieces of plastic that you put randomly. Yes, and if you spent all this plastic and you melted it down and made several walls that were actually useful in the game. Okay, that's cool. I totally if you gave me six big walls and none of this stupid crap like spikes that are going to kill your players. <laughs> if you did that, then I would be so much happier and I would have said, "You know what? I probably would get that for $210." But I got to tell you, this is a huge turnoff for me. I do not like the price tag at 200 $210. Your plastic actually angers me because it's such a waste of plastic for no good reason. And your doorways are dumb. So, <laughs> so I mean, there is a printed doorway right there. Yeah, clearly they print a wall and then it stops. And then a couple spaces away, it starts again. Guess what, kids? That's a doorway. You don't need a plastic doorway to denote where doorways are on a printed <laughs> mat. Ugh. Color me irritated. <laughs> For $210. $210. I gotta tell you, I would I would rather, if, if the options were punch my mom or buy this set, your grandma's going to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just letting you know. There's no way. <laughs> what? We'll go visit her. I'm not an animal. But the point is, we'll visit her in the hospital. <laughs> But the point is, I am definitely, this is so low on my list of things to buy. It's totally pointless. And you know, it'd be different if these two warbands were exclusive to the starter set. You know that the Scions of the Flame and the Knight Shadowstalkers are gonna be sold separately. Yeah. So, and actually, I'm not even super thrilled on the uh, Scions of the Flame. I think they're okay. Yeah, the Shadowstalker guys are pretty cool, though. Yeah. 
and the Shadowstalker guys are going to be sold for like $35. And meanwhile, this stupid... $210 uh, worth of wasted plastic and cardboard. You know, I'm not easily offended. You know that, right? Yeah. Not easily offended. I am actually offended by this box set. <laughs> I'm hurt. I'm confused. I'm angry. He's conflabbled. I am conflabbled, and I am not happy, GW. So 100%, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you right now, if you buy the set, I will hunt you down and burn down your house. (laughs) I'm just letting you know, I don't want a single copy of this sold. Watch out, the fanboys are listening. (laughs) So, yeah. So that's a want that for me. I really... (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. See, I'm being serious about burning your house down. Don't buy it. What Do you you like it, Cron Jr.? I think... Well, if they're going to sell two armies for $35, that's going to be $70-ish. Yeah. For those two armies, and you get an extra, what, like $160? $140, $150. Like no, $140. $140 more dollars of cardboard and plastic. And, and door frames. And door the very frames. valuable door frames that don't have doors. <laughs> that 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 makes me even angrier. It's not even a door. It's a door frame. You get ten dollars for each door frame. You oh can my. buy it with extra door frames. You can buy it. Now the only good thing is if you do buy the set, which I definitely tell you don't. But <laughs> but you could drop those if you're being like pursued by people. You can keep some of these spike things in your pocket. You drop them like caltrops. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, definitely want that not definitely want that not now it's time for real talk with pimp cron hey everybody it's real talk with the pimp cron and i am the pimp cron that's my name and thank you for having me i appreciate it i just wanted to discuss something that a reader mentioned a couple months ago and it got me thinking quite a bit about it What is the difference between synergy and tactics? There are two types of synergy, in my opinion, intentional and natural. Intentional synergy is when the rules for units are intended to work together, such as any buff any character would give someone, like a Tyranid Prime buffing the weapon skill and ballistic skill of warriors he joins, or a captain allowing people to re-roll ones to hit, or something like that. Something that's actually baked into the rules and intended. On the flip side, natural synergy is something you understand to be a basic principle of warfare, such as a line of Lehman Russ is providing range support for advancing infantry, or snipers taking out a character that is near a unit and buffing a unit that you want to charge because you don't want them to be buffed, that sort of thing. To use birth as an example, because that's just naturally, if you're thinking about warfare synergy, you're like, oh, well, the first thing that I think about is birth. To use birth as an example, intentional synergy is when you schedule for a C-section and then have it performed, right? Natural synergy is having a baby in the back seat of some poor guy's taxi. Does that metaphor make any sense? I'm not entirely sure. That may not have been the best example, but here's one that works. Natural synergy is when you make somebody jump your checker with their king checker, and then you can jump over their king checker and take it off the board. Um, intentional synergy in checkers is something like when your king checker joins a unit of regular checkers and they can use their, his leadership, 
or something like that. The point is, tactics are when you use the resources you have, units with different abilities, to make turn-by-turn decisions as the game changes. I think we all know what that is, more or less. So what's the problem? I have no problem at all with natural synergy, because it takes skill to recognize it, and to use it. The same thing goes for tactics. Intentional synergy kind of rubs me the wrong way for a couple different reasons, and... First off, it takes no skill whatsoever to use that kind of synergy. The intentional synergy, you don't even have to be able to notice it in your codex. And it is literally spelled out for you in the book. Quote, unquote, winsome dude is near six inches from another set of dudes. They get some sort of buff. That doesn't require any skill at all. If you're too lazy to read your special rules and try to figure it all out, all you need is an internet connection and someone to read a netlist to you at the bare minimum, and maybe a box of crayons and some toilet paper to write your list. You might be a great tactician using different units and unison to achieve a goal. Meanwhile, your opponent gets bonuses they normally wouldn't get just because that's what the rules say. Because he read a rule that was spelled out for him and now his stuff is better for reasons, because it says it does. Secondly, it makes the game geared towards more cheese. In a true tactics game where thinking was king, there would be no intentional synergies at all. Every unit would be good at what they do, but did not directly impact allied units, and it would be up to you to make them complement each other. Checkers and chess are good examples of this, obviously. But with intentional synergy, we get Death Star units and cheesy stratagems and spam lists, and those are all things that not only do I hate, but I think they really do ruin the game. I don't feel like stratagems are always game-breaking, and they're not always a problem, but there's definitely potential for them to be game-breaking. Now, there may be a flip side to this whole synergy coin, right? What if intentional synergies actually even the playing field? Hear me out for a second. When a good player plays an army, they have the ability in their head to use whatever resources they have to win. So taking intentional synergies is not only a no-brainer for them, but only the cherry on top of their good decision-making skills, making them harder to beat. I ran into this with a friend that used to go to our gaming club. He was from another gaming club that was uber competitive, and we, of course, are not for the most part. He was always really great at strategy, and the new fortifications had just come out at the time. I had no idea what the rules were for them, so I, I saw most of his long-range Space Marine army, including several Daka Dreadnoughts, sitting on a Sky Shield landing pad. If you remember, I don't even think anybody uses a Sky Shield landing pad anymore, but you remember what those are, right? They're flat and whatnot. I didn't think much of it. Until I tried shooting them, and everything on that giant-ass sky shield got a 4-up and vulnerable save, you know, just because. I don't even know what the rule is now, but I know back then everything that was on it just got a 4-up and vol. Just period. And that was some bullshit. So I was a bit frustrated, but I decided to change tactics, okay? I am going to destroy the sky shield to get rid of that bonus. He says I couldn't. What? I said, it's a building. It's a fortification. I should be able to destroy it. And he said, nope. I could blow up every freaking building around it, but that thing was somehow not a building and couldn't be destroyed. Which is bullshit. Oh, I forgot to mention something. He brought two librarians with prescience and centurions, and I was playing tyranids. There have been very few games where I wanted to quit, but that was definitely one of them. Boy, was I salty.
I just went through the motions until the game was over, and he tabled me. And then went home, and I beat up a deer. I was so full of rage that I literally chased down a wild deer in a field and beat it out of frustration. Beat the shit out of that deer. Needless to say, the deer, and I don't talk anymore, consider that bridge burned. What When a bad player uses intentional synergy, it's out of necessity because he doesn't have the ability to make good decisions or see natural synergy. If he didn't have access to intentional synergy, he'd lose every single game. Because otherwise, he that's the only tool he has in his toolbox. So on one hand, I think intentional synergy is stupid and cheesy because I like to play this game to test my tactics and see if I can outthink my opponent. But on the other hand... This is just a game, and bad tacticians should be given tools to be able to play the game to some effect, is how I feel. You know, you have to take up for the little guy. But, I think when you think about it, let's rank a bad tactician at a 10% success rate. With intentional synergy, he might be able to bring up his win ratio by 20% or so. That would put him at a 30%, a 1 in 3 chance to win a game. But a good tactician, starting at a 70% win ratio, could not only get the no-brainer advantages from the intentional synergy of 20%, but also make better use of those rules. So a good tactician goes up to nearly a 100% win ratio while using cheese and natural synergy. So what I'm saying here is that while bad players can boost their chances of winning with cheese, the people who were better than them from the get-go are even more better than them now. Hopefully that makes some sense. Um, if I'm going to bring up, as an example, the world's best skirmish game, Brutality Skirmish War game, um, it's some, some really good-looking guy with like a huge penis um, made that game. I forget what his name is, but anyway, it's like... Rico Suave or something. I forget what his name is. Point is, it's not, it's completely unrelated to this, sh this show. The point is that incredibly sexy and intelligent game creator made a game that has very little automatic buffing. So, once again, I love game design, I love strategy, I love tactics, things like that. So, of course, there is a whole class of people called support that, you know, support other people. They use powers or magic or technology or orders or whatever, and they can give you, you know, extra save or reroll hits or whatever, okay? They can heal you. But the point is, is that that takes up their action to use those abilities. There is legitimately only one upgrade out of 28 upgrades that automatically buffs other people without it being a choice. And that's just that's just the, the thing about that upgrade, is that that's what it does. But everybody else, it has to be a choice to uh, benefit people around them. And once again, if your dude is just within six inches of a character, and that intentional synergy just goes off naturally, then it's... I don't like because they act like you have a choice... But there really is no choice. It's a no-brainer. So if i got a Devastator squad and I want them to hit better, am I going to put them 7 inches away from someone that allows them to reroll hits? Or am I going to put them 5 inches from someone that allows them to reroll hits? Hmm, let me think about that for a second. And the problem is, uh, one of my least favorite things in the world is when stupid people don't know they're stupid and games 
make people feel good about themselves, which I know sounds terrible. But the point is, is people can can be all smarmy and be like, oh, look at this. I'm such a great tactician. I'm five inches from the guy that buffs things. Well, congratulations. You read a rule. You comprehended it. Or at least you got a net list offline. That does not mean that you're a good tactician. Matter of fact, here is my hot take that you may not like. The people that are all about intentional synergies. They know all the rules. They know all the the little finer points of things. They know all of the stratagems. They know all of the whatever. The people that are far too preoccupied with the intentional synergies actually either suck at natural synergy or they, even if they would normally be good at natural synergy... They end up being preoccupied with the intentional synergy. And there's quite a few players I know that, see, I, and of course I'm making myself sound like I'm super smart or something, but the point is, is that strategy and tactics are definitely my thing. Natural synergy is something that I'm good at. And a lot of people that I play are not good at natural synergy and they can be very competitive players. They can be very good players, but they're so hung up on intentional synergy that if something doesn't go exactly their way, if I somehow get his person seven inches away from his buffing unit, suddenly he doesn't know what to do. And I've run into this, man, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to put a ballpark figure out and you're just going to have to deal with it. Um, 60 or 70% of the people that are super, super obsessed with intentional synergy are usually the people that are not good at natural synergy. Ultimately, I feel like people that are obsessed with natural synergy, I mean, um, intentional synergy, are very much uh, railroaded. They're on a track. They go, okay, I'm going to make sure this unit is within six inches of this unit. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. But the minute that you switch it up on them and you you do something that they were not expecting, all of a sudden it's like, does not compute, does not compute. And they don't know how to handle it. And that is my favorite part of the game is going, hmm, okay, they're really dead set on this intentional synergy. So what can I do to, I don't know, be a homewrecker and break up their little relationship they got there. And um, that's why all my models like dress real sexy and things like that. No, I'm just joking. The point is, is that don't be so concerned with the intentional synergies. Try to be able to learn tactics and use natural synergy to use what you have to accomplish your goal versus creating a favorable atmosphere for yourself. Now, of course, intentional synergy, duh, I mean, is a good idea. But the problem is, is that people are so focused on intentional synergy that they don't ever try to learn tactics or good decision making. And that is the rule for this week. Try to learn tactics and natural synergies. Your melee people can tie things up. Your melee people can attack weaker units. Your ranged people should not get too close to things. Your ranged people should support the melee units and soften up targets before the melee people get into it. You know, that sort of thing you need to learn because that sort of thing is not actually on the page in the codex. But it is super, super impressive. I gotta tell you, if there's somebody... I, if I had to bet on a game at any given day 
There is one player that was really good at natural synergy and new tactics and decision making, but he was just kind of okay on the rules, which is basically me. Or somebody that is knows every single fucking FAQ in the entire world and knows every single synergy intentionally and all the stuff, and they had to play each other. Of course, there's going to be some some percentage of that 10% chance or something where the person that's so hell-bent on intentional synergy makes such a broken, abusive list that there's almost no coming back from it, and you'd have to wait for an FAQ to fix that situation. Obviously, this is not a guarantee, but if I had to bet on it, I would take the person any day that was good at natural synergy and just okay at the regular rules versus someone that who had no decision making whatsoever and just relied so heavily on this rule buffs this that does this and this stratagem and blah blah blah. So I guess that's I'm done uh, preaching to you for today. Um, unfortunately, my kids have a cousin over, and if you heard any screaming in the background, well, that is because of children. So, um, now they're not chained up, they're not being abused, they're playing hide-and-seek or something, but I can actually hear it through the walls, and I've had to repeat several times and, um, you know, threaten to set them on fire or something. I I forget what I said. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I didn't say that. But, uh, seriously, I apologize if you heard any children in the background, because, boy, they are being loud. Alright, well thank you so much to all my Patreon sponsors for supporting the show, and thank you so much to GameMat.eu for supporting the show as well. I will catch you next week, compadres.